everyone, and welcome to Reading with Christine Figs. I'm your host, Christine, and I am so happy you are here with me today. This is an episode that literally has me jumping out of my skin with excitement <laughs> because I have my favorite person in the entire world here with me, my brother, Nico. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so when I first started talking about doing the podcast in general, Nico was literally the first one to uh, give me a microphone, download Audacity onto my computer, show me every single thing I possibly needed to know. But he is also a fellow story lover. So it has been so much fun to have him listen back to the episodes, give me feedback, tell me what he thinks, and then now do this bonus episode where we get to talk about a book we both read. Yep. Are you excited? I'm very excited. <laughs> okay, so we're going to give you the description first, uh, and then we'll break down into a little bit. We'll introduce you to Nico, so that way you can get to know him a little bit, since he'll do random bonus episodes uh, in the future. And... We are really excited to do this book. I read this book first, and then in the middle of me telling him about it, he went, stop, I need to read this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was so I was so captured by her retelling of the first part of this book that I wanted to appreciate it fully myself. And the book is The Immortalist by Chloe Blen- Benjamin. Mm-hmm. By it's Chloe also a beautiful Benjamin. cover for anyone who's into any of that. Yes. Um, and then the last thing I just want to say before we really get started is I try really hard to make every single episode a no spoilers episode. So that way I will tell you about a book and I'll tell you the description and what I thought about it. I'll go a little bit more into detail, but I will never tell you how it ends and what happens. These bonus episodes will be a little different. We will not give away the entire story and basically say, oh, in chapter seven, this happens, but we will go into significantly more detail. So if that's your thing, if that doesn't bother you, and if that doesn't deter you from still wanting to pick up the book, this is definitely an episode for you. And I think Nico's gonna read the description. I am. Uh, It is 1969 in New York City's Lower East Side, and the word has spread of an arrival of a mystical woman a traveling psychic who claims to be able to tell anyone the day they will die. The gold children, four adolescents on the cusp of self-awareness, sneak out to hear their fortunes. The for- the prophecies inform the... <laughs> I know, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. <laughs> the, pro- <laughs> the, pro- the prophecies inform their next five decades. Golden boy Simon escapes to the West Coast, searching for love in 80s San Francisco. Dreamy Clara becomes a Las Vegas magician, obsessed with blurring the, blurring the lines between reality and fantasy. Eldest son Daniel struggles to maintain security as an army doctor post 9-11. And Bookish Var, uh, Varia? I always call it say Varia. Yeah. Varia? And Bookish Varia throws herself into longevity research, where she tests the boundary between science and immortality. Perfect. It's... it's such a good book. It's such a good book. <laughs> okay, so let's tell our listeners a little bit of what you typically like to read. So that way they know, you know, what you're into and maybe they'll kind of connect to that. So that way they know based on what you think about the book, whether or not it's something they would enjoy too. So I'm a huge science fiction buff mm-hmm. and fantasy. Uh, I've read a lot of, you know, the standard Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and mm-hmm. I'm a big comic book reader. I read... Yeah. Marvel, DC, Image, uh, you know, basically everything that's ma- that they're making movies and television shows of today, mm-hmm. I've been reading since I was a, a kid. Um, I have started to dip my toe more into uh, books more frequently recently, and The Immortalist kind of kicked that off for me as well, yeah. of like, you know, 
taking the recommendations from your podcast <laughs> and picking up all of those books and slowly, slowly making my way through more and more reads, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, I think that no matter what, ever since we've been, or ever since we were kids, we've always liked stories. Mm -hmm. So whether that was movies or television shows or uh, books in general, we've always just loved a good story. And so even with the graphic novels, which isn't something that I typically get to talk about on the podcast because... It's a little bit harder to it's explain. A visual, it's, it's a visual medium as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. So that's a little bit hard. But graphic novels have been a huge part of Nico's life. And then because of that has um, impacted the lives of myself, our entire family. <laughs> we all watch all the movies. We watch all the TV shows. We go to Comic-Con. Like, we are huge nerds in that way. Um, so he's definitely, by doing that, has impacted all of our lives. So it's pretty cool to then recommend a book to you and then you enjoy it so much that you're like, oh, now I'm actually starting to read even more fiction. Because yeah. I remember you really liked Ready Player One. Yes. That was one that I know you really, really loved. Mm-hmm. Are there mm-hmm. any other ones that kind of popped to your head that you're like, oh, I liked this one. I enjoyed this one. I know you mentioned Harry Potter and Game of Thrones. You read all of that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Or any graphic novels that instantly pop into your head where you're oh. like, oh, if you're going to read a graphic novel, this one is amazing. That's a good question. It's a little it's a little bit more difficult with comic books because they're just such long storytelling. It's it's kind of just... Um, well, didn't you say you read through all of the 80s? I read, I read almost every issue of X-Men from 1960 to currently 2000. That's wild. So, like, you're talking thousands and thousands of... <laughs> of comics and it's not just x-men it's the x it's all the mutant lines so i've (laughs) it's just so easy to pick up a comic book especially now reading digital digitally it's like you have access to to a large quantity Mm -hmm. of of comic books um which do limit my time uh limit my time from actually reading novels novels yeah (laughs) um but the immortalist has definitely helped me uh kickstart that back up. Mm-hmm. I think that it was the description of this like mystical prophecy or mm-hmm. you know this this possible future of their of their death date that really like brought me into the story and I was very interested in mm-hmm. in what happens when you learn such vital information at such a young age. Yes. And I was like this is this is something that I would read in a comic book. Like yeah. this is something that I would definitely pick up on my own just from interest uh, alone. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you recommended it to yeah, me. Yeah, no, yeah, let's definitely dig into it. So um, based on the description, the four gold children go to this fortune teller. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she tells them, she meets with each one of them individually. Yeah. And she tells each one of them the date that they will die. And that's her specialty, which what a wild specialty to have. I know. <laughs> She's not like, oh, I'm going to tell you when you'll have your biggest adventure or when you'll find <laughs> love. She's like, no, I'm going to tell you when it all ends. <laughs> yeah. And they were all pretty young. I believe they were mm-hmm. all under like 15 years old. Yeah. I think and... Varya, who is the oldest. Yeah. She was under 15. And then it just kept getting younger and younger. Yeah. Simon is the youngest one. I think he was maybe around seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and she told them, each one of them, they're not allowed to tell the other. And that's what was interesting. And that is a scene that sticks out to me the most in the book is after these kids find out, you know, they have their individual meetings with the fortune teller. They all walk outside of the building and they're all in the backyard of this woman's house before they go home. And there is this sense of 
sadness amongst the four kids as they're walking home. Here they were bored on a random summer day looking for a fun adventure and who they are when they come out of meeting with that woman is completely different than who they were going into it. And it was fascinating because, and I think this is why I thought the whole story was so interesting in general is what do you do with that information? Well, I think that what was, what was really shocking to me as well is that the book kicks off with like a loss of innocence, right? Yes. It's this like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. this knowledge that they cannot take back at mm-hmm. this point. And while yes, some of them believe it more than others, mm-hmm. I think that it's very fascinating for within the first few pages of this book to have this like pivotal moment in these children's lives that set them on a journey that they can't come back from. Like, Absolutely. It's just You're either living with the belief that it's true mm-hmm. or you're actively living against it. Yeah, you're so no matter mm-hmm. what this information that you have just found will impact the rest of your life. And that is just, I just got chills saying that out loud because it is just, there are, there are certain books that I read that when I understand what the storyline is, I think I have never read a story like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I do read a lot of romance. Someone's going to obviously end up together at some point. Someone's <laughs> going to say something that hurts the other. You know, you read a lot of mystery, but you, the mystery is built into the story because that's the genre. But something like this, it's a book of fiction and you walk into it and then you have this sense of, oh my gosh, I have never thought about it and people have had that conversation plenty of times with their friends and family you know would you ever want to know when you'll die it's Mm -hmm. a common question people ask each other but to see it from this perspective from these four young kids and see how it manifests throughout their lives is wild (laughs) um so the book starts off with simon who's actually the youngest so after the scene of them meeting the fortune teller the book breaks down into four different sections yeah And it goes in age order. Simon being the youngest, Clara being the second youngest, then it's Daniel, and then Varya is the oldest. So it goes right into Simon's story, who, in my opinion, is the most heartbreaking story. (laughs) I I would have to agree. I mean, starting the book off with Simon uh, and Varya as well, Mm. I feel like those were the two that I was most interested in, in their brief description in the beginning as a family mm-hmm. member so that way when the book jumps to each individual child now a little bit older's mm-hmm. perspective i found myself wondering okay will the other siblings keep my intention uh sorry will the other siblings keep my attention mm-hmm. as well so starting the book off with simon i was like great we're doing really really well here yeah. i'm really loving this character already and i can't wait to hear more about him and the book does really well moving forward um, but simon <laughs> is just this heartbreaking tale of love, young love, Mm -hmm. wanting to really become who he is at his core and who he feels like he couldn't be Mm -hmm. with it, with his family. Um, and it just sets him down a path that I think that he would not have experienced if it was not for this moment in their childhood. Yes. And what's interesting, that is so beautifully well said. And what's interesting about that is, The way his storyline goes, he is able to, because of this information that he has, he is able to live a fuller life than he probably would have ever lived had Mm -hmm. he not had that information. He would have hidden parts of himself that he felt uncomfortable with. However, because he knew this information, he lived a fuller life. However, because he lived a fuller life, it led him closer to the prophecy. So that's what's just so wild is like, had he not visited this fortune teller when he was younger, his entire life could be different, but would it have been a life that he would have really felt fulfilled by? 
which is just a moment where you're like, well, I don't know, Chloe Benjamin, you tell me. <laughs> um, and I then, mean, how spoiler are we getting? Spoilery are we getting into this? I book? don't know because I want to talk about it so bad. Okay, let's just talk about okay. it. Let's talk about it, guys. I will tell you, even if you know how it ends, you should still absolutely pick up the book. It's absolutely amazing. Yes, but we are gonna deep dive into this. It'll one right also now. <laughs> genuinely make you question what you would do in this exact situation. Yeah, I will. I will be honest that this book really hit me at the right time. I mm. was. I was just like not questioning, but like really playing with the idea of mortality in my mm. in my own personal life. And so to read this book where it's like addressing life and death from yeah. from four family members, I think that it was it it was one of those moments where a book really came to me at the time that I needed mm, it the most. It's one of my favorite things. When and that I did not expect that to be the case. Um, I definitely picked up this book because I was interested in the story, mm-hmm. and then just by happenstance happened to be reading it at a time where I was also struggling with these, with these feelings of mm-hmm. what would I do with, with the time that I'm given. Yes. Um, so that being said, their prophecies uh, are accurate. Are accurate. Um, yes. now, now the question of the whole book is, is will, would these prophecies have come true Either way, or even without them even knowing, without this them information. knowing. It. So exactly. Simon, so Simon picks up and travels to San Francisco in the eighties, mm. and he's I, a gay man. He is, a, yeah, who is closeted. Um, they come from an incredibly traditional Jewish household mm-hmm. uh, back in the seventies and eighties, and so this is the type of um, life in which he never really thought he would get a chance to experience. But at a very early age, Clara, his who is the second youngest, she picks up and she leaves to the uh, West Coast. They're, they all live on the East Coast. And she goes. And their father passes away. The Essentially, Simon is left to take care of his mom. He's the youngest one, so he's the one who stays home with her. And Clara comes home to him uh, over... Oh, it was the father's funeral. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, I haven't read this book, and I think it's... Nico recently read it, but mm-hmm, I read it, mm-hmm. I think, two years ago at this point. And still, like, these scenes are just so... Just coming straight to my memory because it was that impactful. So they all come home for the father's funeral, and she essentially convinces Simon to go back to California with her. And she says to him, in words that I don't remember perfectly, but essentially, you cannot be who you truly are here. You need to leave. You need to not make mom your biggest priority. You need to live your life for yourself and you need to come. And I think if you come back to California with me, you could live that life. Yeah. I mean, it's really nice to see that Clara has this understanding of who her brother is more than it seems that he even knows who he is. Yes. At a different, at a time in which that's not, you know, unfortunately within our, in our world's history, that was not easily accepted. Yeah. You get the, you get, it's not explicitly said, but you get the idea that Clara is, is offering Simon this opportunity to, to flee the life that he has been trapped into i wouldn't say uh not so much trapped but Mm -hmm. but kind of fallen into yeah through family obligation and societal pressure and i think that with the prophecy given to him at a young age he is he knows his time is limited Mm. and so he picks up and chooses to go and lives his his life the rest of his life as fast as possible because Mm -hmm. he knows he doesn't have enough time Mm -hmm. or a lot of time you know what we should do what should we do not tell how it ends you. for each. Were you about to go into that? Uh, no, no, it's okay. We can, it we makes can, sense, it right? Makes sense, like, it makes to sense. Keep, to keep that. Um, but the book is surrounded around these prophecies, so it, mm. it the the resolution of those prophecies is part of the story. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that. But I will say that we will let's not cover. Yeah, exactly because when how. you when you realize how it is that 
unfortunately Simon's life ends. To me, it was the most heartbreaking of all four. You disagree? I disagree. Okay. But but it was very, very heartbreaking. And uh, I wasn't expecting I it. I wasn't expecting it either. Yeah. It, uh, it, it kicked the book off with a bang, for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, and then from there, it goes to Clara, who is the youngest, who I will say... Is my favorite. When you She is my favorite, too. She is when my favorite. you realize, after you've read Simon's section... Mm-hmm. that each one, and I remember saying this to you in, when I was first telling you about the book, when you read Simon's section and you realize that it is the conclusion of his entire story, you then realize that whoever is coming next mm-hmm. is essentially the next gold child to pass on. Yeah, they they definitely go in, in order that way where you find, you. I mean, you just pick up the story from a new perspective, mm-hmm. taking over right after the conclusion of another sibling story. Yes. Which is, which is, it's heartbreaking in itself. It's also great storytelling. It is great storytelling. Yes. But it's heartbreaking in itself because not only are you, are you witnessing the loss of a loved one through the eyes of another person that you're following in this story, but mm-hmm. you also know where the book is headed. Yes, exactly. You're like, well, if this just wrapped up for this person, that means your, your story is about to wrap up. Yes. And to see how that plays out as well. Um, what do you think about Clara's life? I, I feel as though with Simon, even though um, his life came to an end at a young age, I do think that once he left home, he was able to live a full life. Maybe not perfect, but yeah. he was able to experience a lot of really wonderful and beautiful things. Yeah, well, I think that Clara always had this, like, desire for um, the mystical arts. Yes, she She, becomes a magician. She becomes a magician, and she travels uh, the world always searching for this, like, next step Mm -hmm. in her journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like with Clara, I kept wanting more for her. Yes. The entire time I'm reading, reading her section where she is accomplishing the things that she wants to accomplish, but it's but it's it's through a lens of of something else. I don't I don't know the the correct wording mm-hmm. for it, but it was just one of those things where also heartbreaking. Like yeah. I did not expect I did not expect to attach myself to Clara as much as I did, but mm. when I was reading her chapter I just kept wanting this person to win at yes. everything that she was going through. And that's just not how life, life works. pans out, yeah. you know? Um, and it's just so well written. And what's interesting about that is that on paper, Clara got so many of the things that she wanted. Yes. And so, but it's the idea of knowing this prophecy, mm-hmm. the idea of losing your closest sibling at such a young age. Um, you know, those are things that will obviously impact your life where even if you set out to do everything you want to do, you still might not find that sense of happiness and peace. And for Clara, who was such a, such a sense of joy and lived life so fully and literally left home to go find magic. You're like, how, how can you out of all four of you not just have found it, you know? And I think that that's what makes Clara's storyline for me. So heartbreaking is because you are, at least for me, I connected to her so instantly where I was like, yes, she's leaving home and she's, she knows that magic exists in the world and she wants to experience it and she wants to see it and she gets so much of what she wants. But at the end of the day, it's still not enough to, to keep her happy. 
Yeah. Um, I will be honest. At the end of Clara's chapter, mm-hmm. I had to put the book down. <laughs> I I called up my sister mm-hmm. and I flipped out at you. <laughs> yeah, you because I was just so emotionally invested in Simon mm-hmm. to beforehand. And I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to just read the rest of this book and and really power through because it's just so heartbreaking to fall in love with these characters and see where their journey goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Clara, I can I connected with without even realizing that I would, and it just tore me yep. apart. <laughs> just tore me apart. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. I actually have. Uh... So as I read, I know Nico knows this. I don't really know um, if I've mentioned this uh, on the podcast before, but usually what I do is as I read the books, if there's a specific line in any of the pages that I really, really love, I teeny tiny dog ear the top corner and then I mark it. So that way I can always go back to the book and look at my favorite lines. And in Clara's section, there's this one sentence that I really love. It says, most adults claim not to believe in magic, but Clara knows better. Why else would anyone play at permanence, fall in love, have children, buy a house in the face of all evidence that there's no such thing? The trick is not to convert them. The trick is to get them to admit it. So that to me, I feel like was the perfect description of who Clara is, where she's like, no, magic obviously exists. My whole purpose is to share it with people and have them admit that it exists and that it's real because falling in love is magic. Having children is magic. You know, living a life that you love is magic. And so that sentence to me is the perfect description of who Clara is, especially at the beginning of where you meet her, where she's like, no, I want people to experience magic and I would love to be the one to share it with them. Yeah. That is her, that is her ultimate goal in this world is to bring a little bit of that magic back into Mm. people's lives. And she does and she doesn't she uh she succeeds in that aspect i i believe for me as a reader right mm-hmm. whether I whether i live in this world or or not i think that it is it is in reading her section that you do get a sense that magic can exist in the in in the world yeah absolutely so the next child no next gold child that you read about is daniel daniel is the second oldest um he is, in my opinion, the least that I was attached to out of okay. all four yeah. children. Um, he's very, like, straight-laced. Yeah. Um, he never really fully believed in the prophecy. He was a skeptic, for sure. Yeah, for his whole life. For his whole life. Yeah, he ended up moving back home, if I remember correctly. He's also the one whose story I don't remember so clearly. Yeah, so basically he ended up staying close to his family with mm-hmm. the with the... The rest of the siblings pretty much going off on their own. Mm-hmm. Daniel was left um, to look after his mother and to, you know. Because uh, Simon left. That's right. Exactly. And so then Daniel had to, like, pick up that family obligation. Yeah. And uh, he just got a stable job. He mm-hmm. got married. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he continued on this on this journey of, of his own his, of his own life. Um, but never really believing that this was true. Yes. Uh, yes. That I remember. And I also do remember him having a sense of disappointment in his own life choices to not be closer to his siblings correct because at this point when you get to daniel's story you've already lost simon and you've already lost clara so all that's left is him and varia and you have this sense of i'm just trying to be a good husband i'm just trying to be a good son i'm doing all the things that i'm supposed to be doing i've got a good job you know i do all the things but i've still lost these two people who i should have maybe given more love and attention to 
and still not necessarily believing in the prophecy very much just yeah. being because again you have to remember none of these people told each other what the fortune teller told them so daniel has no way of knowing that what the fortune teller has told his two younger siblings has already come true yeah. because they never shared that information with each other so um to me Daniel's ending was the biggest one that I didn't see coming. Like Simon's to me was like so heartbreaking. You Cars get, yeah. was so heartbreaking. But I, I almost feel like with Daniel's, that's when you realize like, oh shit, the fortune teller was right. Because yes. so many things fall into place in such a quick speed that you're like, oh, is this is destiny. Yeah, while while Simon's journey uh, concludes in a way that I... I foresaw coming as this as the book was progressing yeah. and Simon's chapter was progressing. I saw that the decisions that he was making in life were going to lead us down a certain path. Mm. Clara, on the other hand, broke my heart. I know. <laughs> but with with Daniel, it definitely felt more of like a like a thriller novel. Yes. In that chat in that mm. book because or in that chapter because it it takes you right up to you know the the end of his journey mm-hmm. and I did not see it coming. Yeah, you know, it, it progresses very rapidly and mm. it is one of those things where I could not put the book down the yes. second I saw in what direction this was going mm-hmm. because I needed to know where it was not going to stop. Yes. And of course I love to look at the chapters ahead of ahead time, of time. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. I know I have three pages left before mm-hmm. this chapter's, you know, finishing. I need to, I, I, there's not enough time. Like what is, <laughs> what is happening right now? And so, um, with, uh, with Daniel, it was definitely one of those things where I was like on the edge of my seat reading, mm-hmm. this, reading this book. Now it's a very climactic ending for him. Yeah. Now yeah. the thing with, with Daniel is I agree is that it was the one I, I least connected to. Um, but I think that's only because of the relationship that he had with the prophecy, which was, mm. which was the main reason I was reading the book to yes. begin with. And so if I'm reading the, this, this point of view of, of a skeptic who's not believing in it, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I'm not getting out of the book what I want. Mm-hmm. Cause you already believe. Cause I as already a, believe. As, as a reader. As I've already, <laughs> you know, as I've already experienced with the first two mm-hmm. chapters, I'm like, I'm fully in. So yeah. the fact that I'm reading from a perspective of somebody who isn't, yeah. it had a hard time connecting. But that being said, I think that there's a lot of positive to get out of Daniel's chapter, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. relationship with his other siblings and this like sense of, of falling short in yes. in reconnecting with them oh, it's so really it's really really uh it's really really sweet to see this this person struggle with those feelings because i feel like a lot of us have had some of those moments mm-hmm. where we wish we did more with the time that we have or we wish we you know reached out said to that, more said more yeah. reached out to that person we haven't spoken to in a while so there was a lot of that with daniel that was like oh i i do understand where you're coming from and i get and i get the connection there mm-hmm. even if it's not about the the overall plot yes. of the book and it's really hard to remember while you're in it this is a different generation so essentially this their ages is the generation above us mm-hmm. meaning that you know in 2022 it is significantly more accepted and encouraged for a man to be emotional and mm-hmm. to reach out to his siblings just to say that he loves them and to check in on them and have those types of emotional connections. But for a character like Daniel, who is 30 years ago, 
that is not something that 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 was encouraged at, instead it was more ridiculed yeah. and so to have him have that moment where he's like i should have done more and kind of peek behind that vulnerability a little bit mm-hmm. that was really great to be able to read but then again it turns into a thriller and you're like what is happening oh my god the thing with with daniel's (laughs) chapters is it does really allow you uh it does really poke into more of the lore of the book Mm -hmm. Uh, without going into too much daniel uh becomes a little bit uh i would say obsessed with this fortune teller that they visited as Mm -hmm. a child once he realizes that you know the two siblings have died and it might have been because of this fortune teller Mm -hmm. in one way or another you do get a little bit more of that aspect of the story which Mm -hmm. i did appreciate while yes okay daniel's story did you know it was a little bit more difficult to connect to i again love the prophecy Mm -hmm. and the fortune teller of it all get a lot of information about her through daniel's chapter well because it's the first time you have anybody start to question who the fuck was this lady yeah yeah. yeah. Who the hell was this lady who came in and said all this shit to us when we were kids? Yeah, because in and I don't want to go too deep into Daniel's story, mm-hmm. but it is very much his belief that because of her, mm-hmm. his siblings have passed. Which is such a um, you, it's like one of the st- stages of grief where he's mm-hmm. like, no, someone's going to pay and I need to get answers. Yeah. Because, you know, I've lost these two siblings that I'll never be able to develop the type of connection that I wanted to with. Mm hmm. Um, from Daniel, we then have Varya, who is the oldest. Now, Varya is the only one when they're kids where the book follows her meeting with the fortune teller. So the very first chapter of the book, when they go to meet this fortune teller is told from Varya's perspective. And the fortune teller in that first chapter essentially tells her she's going to live a long life. That's what she says to her, that she is going to live a long life. I don't remember the exact wording, but you know from the very beginning, oh, Varya is going to live till she's like in her 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, then when you finally get to her chapter, what was interesting is that Varya has essentially spent her entire life trying to extend her life. Yes. She has buried her nose in books and science to, to research longevity mm-hmm. and, to, uh, and to basically curve off any prophecies that were that were given Mm -hmm. um trying to extend her life as long as possible she has done research and she is a scientist Mm -hmm. which is which is such a a beautiful contrast to the other siblings who have who have reacted to this prophecy in different ways simon picking up and deciding to live his life as as you know as boldly and as brightly as possible Mm -hmm. because he has limited time clara believing in the mystical sense of it uh, Daniel being a skeptic, you yeah. have uh, Varya who is who believes mm-hmm. to an extent and will want to do everything she can scientifically to to prevent yeah and to lengthen the life. of Essentially, you know, here she is being told that she has the longest to live, and still she's trying to squeeze more out of it. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating to me with her entire storyline becoming a scientist and trying to understand. Um, you know, this fortune that she's been told and what her destiny is supposed to be. She has lived an incredibly closed off life. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have any close relationships. She barely speaks to the family members that are left, which at this point, I think their mom is still alive. I don't remember. Yes, the mom is still yeah, alive. Yeah, but she has a very limited life. She she just doesn't have anyone remotely close to her. Um, and to me, her storyline was heartbreaking because here she was so focused on extending her life, she forgot to live it. Mm. And that is just one of those things that when you get to her storyline, you're like, you've spent your whole life trying to get five more minutes out of this, what this fortune lady told you. 
but here your youngest brother was he went and he made the most out of his time like you just said like Mm -hmm. you know Clara went and just tried to experience as much magic in the world as she possibly could you know here you are you believed it and you didn't do anything with that information instead you still asked for five minutes more you were given more than all of your siblings and you still had the audacity to say but I want more to do what to spend more in your lab yeah you know and that's what was fascinating to me and what I did really enjoy about her perspective is it made me think of like, what would a hyper rational person do with this information, Mm. you know? And it's what she became. Mm -hmm. She ended up developing like a bit of OCD. Um, and, uh, you know, she was a complete, she had issues with germs. She had issues with connecting with people emotionally, physically. She had so many things that she just tried to avoid. She ate incredibly limited foods. Like it was just her trying to find control in any single way that she could because she felt like her death was out of her control. Um, and again, wild because completely different from any of her other siblings i know it made me think a lot about what would have happened if each sibling was given another sibling's prediction right oh my god that is amazing could you have a (gasps) like could you it it, you put down well the thing is like you put down the book at the end and each one of them have you at that point you realize how much time they were given Mm -hmm, in this prophecy mm -hmm. and so you start to think okay well look at this person as who they are and how they reacted to this knowledge what would have happened if they either didn't get the knowledge, mm-hmm. right? What would their lives have been if they didn't? But also, what would have happened if they got a different reading, yes. right? Their, the decisions that they make in their lives were definitely steered directly be, from this prophecy. Mm-hmm. So if Varya was only given, you know, 10 years, yep. how would her life have changed? Mm-hmm. Would she have done more of Simon's route? Would she have not developed into this, like, closed-off person Mm -hmm. would she have reacted the exact same way simon did or would she have been you know still her still Mm -hmm. striving for the law to lengthen her life as long as possible Mm -hmm. i i find that very interesting and i don't i don't know the answer maybe chloe benjamin does i know chloe benjamin (laughs) you need to call us we need to chat (laughs) but what i think is really cool about thinking about it from that perspective you really touched upon that is that when you find out you have a shorter amount of time do you try to live it more fully Mm. and you know, here we are, none of us know, none of us know of a fortune teller who can tell us when our date is, you know, when our time is up. But it's this idea of, are you going to be like Simon? Are you going to be like Simon in the sense that you're trying to live as much as you possibly can with every single moment that you have? Are you going to try to live like Clara, where you are sitting there and trying to just soak up every single piece of magic throughout the world? Are you going to live like Daniel with your head in the sand? Stability and... and not even thinking about the day that you're going to die. You're just so focused on trying to get from day to day. Are you going to live with Faria where you're going to focus so much on the future you forget to live in the present? Yeah. And it's mind-blowing and so enjoyable that every single one of them had a different way of going about this because one of the things that I really loved about this book that had nothing to do with the fortune teller aspect of it and their destinies and their fates was the interpersonal dynamics amongst these family members. Yeah. That is something that I loved so much. Like I remember at one point there's a a side character ends up saying to one of our main characters, they're your family, but you really don't like them. (laughs) And you know, the wording is definitely different, but that happens so often. So, you know, when you take out this mystical aspect of, 
a fortune teller telling them their, you know, the day that they're going to die, what you really have at your core is four siblings Mm -hmm. who are all so different, who want to connect, don't necessarily know how, are all living their own individual journeys, but still have the same mom, you know, and still have to come home to a funeral when their dad dies and, you know, still gets the same phone call from their sibling being like, well, I took mom here. You need to make sure that you, you know, and so that was... That to me, I love, I love (laughs) family dynamics and I'm always fascinated by it. And so I love that that was kind of like at its core is that you still had that underneath where you're like, oh, that's right. These are still just a bunch of siblings, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what uh, any fortune teller could have possibly ever told them. So obviously we highly recommend this book. There was one more line that I had read that I really loved. um, And I wanted to hold on guys. Let me find it. Um, Oh, this, I love this one too. Um, it said that, okay, so this is after a conversation that Daniel had with Simon, actually before Simon passed. And he said, he heard the siren song of family, how it pulls you despite all sense, how it forces you to discard your convictions, your righteous selfhood in favor of profound dependence. And I love that because here you are, you have these four siblings who are living so separately But the second they get on the phone with each other, you suddenly have this sense of like, you want to be connected to each other. Mm -hmm. You want to depend on each other. You want to be around each other, even though you are all so different. And I love that because like most families, once they're actually together, they're like, get me away from these people. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, you know, you hear your family on the phone and you want to be near them. You want to be around them. Yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to find the one that I was. Oh, this is from Varya's chapter. And she said, she feared that fate was fixed, but she hoped, God, she hoped that it was not too late for life to surprise her. She hoped it was not too late for her to surprise herself. And I love that a lot because it kind of reminds me of Clara. Mm. And so I love the idea that Varya will get to a point in her life as you continue reading where she wants to seek a little bit of what her siblings were constantly chasing. Correct. Yeah. I mean, even, even with how different they are, they, they're connected in a lot more ways than I think that they ever really realized Mm. in their lives. And it's only, it's only in the benefit of reading these chapters from a sibling's perspective after someone has passed that you realize that they're starting to realize that, they they might be more similar yes. than they originally ever mm-hmm. thought, and mm-hmm. it's really it's really sad to witness this like this connection that's just a little too late. Yes, right? absolutely. Because I mean, especially with Clara and Daniel's chapters, mm-hmm. you look back and and Simon, who is the youngest, and you picked up and left and and you know traveled across the country on a whim mm-hmm. and and started living this completely new life. There was a lot of resentment there, yeah. especially when from Simon's chapter, you see it from his perspective that these siblings are like, how could you do this to us? Mm. You really, you know, you really threw it all out. And then when you get to Clara and Daniel's mm-hmm. chapters, you realize that, yes, they, they felt that way in the moment, but it's only after losing Simon that they're like, wow, we probably could have lived a little bit more yes. like Simon. It's it's kind of one of those uh, sad moments where it was, it was a, too little too late Absolutely. at that point. Absolutely. And um, I feel like that's what a lot of this book reminds you of. It reminds you that... You and your siblings might drive each other crazy, but ultimately your family and you're connected in more ways than you think. You might be 
feel like you're forced to live a life that other people accept, but you should actually go and live the life that you want to live it as full as you possibly can. When it comes to Clara, it always makes me think nobody understood how much she wanted to chase magic, but she still did it anyway. You know, here was Daniel. There's nothing wrong with living the stable life, with having the wife and kids and taking care of your family. And, you know, with Varya, unfortunately for me, with her, it was very much like, girl, you watched your whole life pass you by. Mm. You know, and so like that to me, the lesson there wasn't necessarily to be more like her, but to almost remember, like, it's never too late. If you're not really living your life, it's never too late to start. Um, And I loved it. I loved it. I'm (laughs) so happy you read it and that you enjoyed it as much as you did. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy you recommended it because honestly, I probably would not have picked up this book if Mm -hmm. it wasn't for you. So I will never, ever, we were on the subway and I will never forget standing there on the subway like you know your whole body's getting like jostled around and i'm like and then this happened and then this happened and then oh my god and you literally were like stop i need to read this myself yes <laughs> it's like, you're oh, amazing okay. you you are an amazing storyteller <laughs> i'm i needed to i needed to pick it up almost immediately so. yeah i'm so glad so hopefully after all of this we haven't spoiled too much of it for you and you're still interested in reading it i it's would called... say i would say it's still worth it even if you even if you feel like we spoiled the hell out of this please oh there's read still it. so much still more so to much it there's to so many it. more people that you need to meet yeah. besides the gold children that you will absolutely love and you know, meet, you get to meet their mom and that's an interesting family dynamic as well. Understanding, you know, how her role affects all four of her children. And so exactly, even after all of this chatting, there's still so much more to this book. And truthfully, it's not that long. It's not. You would think with all of this storytelling, it would be like this massive, like thousand page book, but it's not. It's absolutely amazing. It's called The Immortalist by Chloe Benjamin. We hope that you enjoy it. If you decide to read it, let us know. Yes, please. Because we need more people to talk about it. I don't know anybody else who's read this besides you. So okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want to know what other people think. I want to know who everybody else's favorite sibling was mm-hmm. and what they thought. And if they walked away, you know, with it, with any type or from it, with any type of clarity with how they want to live their lives. Yeah. So let me know. Um, so now that we've done this, can we expect you back on the podcast? I would love to come back. Uh, I need to, I need to switch from my comics to my novels, but I do have a growing stack of books. Thanks to you. We do. Uh, we also have a growing similar stack of books, yes. which is perfect. So I don't know what my next one is going to be, but hopefully we will cross paths again pretty soon and I'll come back. Yeah, that sounds great. Until then, I will continue with my regular updates on the books that I am reading and I promise to save the ones that I know you will love for books for you to read as well and be like oh that'll be the next episode sounds good (laughs) all right thank you so much for being here with us guys it makes me just so happy that i get to not only share a book that i love so much but also a person that i love so much with you guys it's just your support and you listening to these episodes makes me genuinely so happy i love talking about stories as you can tell from this (laughs) our whole family does and so this was really really special thank you so much for checking in and tuning in and we will be talking soon